The most wonderful time da, 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 of the year. Da, 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 it's our holiday episode. <laughs> Is this our holiday episode? By holiday, I mean it's a movie episode. A, a real treat. A real treat. Are it's we, a real is, gift that keeps on giving. It is. Uh-huh. Um, Chris, this is our first episode we're recording when you and I are not in the same place. Right. Because if, if listeners haven't picked up by now, we live together. <laughs> and this has already a distinctly different energy. It feels like we're, um, you know, when podcasts do a live episode and you're like, this feels like a different podcast. I feel like we have that <laughs> energy right now. We're both talking so calmly we're into both, our microphone. Because we're not screaming at each other to, across <laughs> the room to try to talk over each other. Yeah. I love um, a podcast that starts with a bit of just process at the top. That's what people love to hear. Honestly, I do love that. So oh. <laughs> stop making fun of me. Um, Chris, this is the mu- 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 The music this episode? Is the, movie, the movie episode. The movie. <laughs> Hosted by Bjork. <laughs> um, this is uh part one. Ooh. Oh. Should we label should this we episode? Should we release this episode in two parts? I think we should release this as season four, episode six, part one. <laughs> Confusing. <laughs> Honestly, not the worst. Um, um, and we have our friend here. Let's jump right in. <laughs> Let's bring him in. You know him, you love him. We talk movies. We have to bring in our, our friend who knows the most about movies. Our friend, Ben. Ben. Hello. Hello. How you look great, Ben. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How's everybody doing? <laughs> Good. <laughs> that had a nice, distinct um, local news throwing to the guy in front of the stadium <laughs> energy. <laughs> yep, I'm here at the stadium, and as you can see, it's it's pretty windy. So, you know, they're going to have to kick those balls pretty hard today. Back to you, Chet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, that's not reporting. Thank you for that. <laughs> I have so many thoughts about the movie that simple salutations just escaped me. Your mind wow. is racing with possibility. Absolutely. Because this movie gestured to a world of possibility, but instead they decided to do almost nothing. It was two hours of... Exposition, if you can call it that. Yeah. I was generously going to say setup, <laughs> but I don't know that I'm ready for the part two. Because I don't, I don't really know what's being set up, that- but... I hate to spoil it for you, but the answer is also nothing. The second movie is also set up and then it ends. <laughs> um, Chris and I, yesterday after watching part one, uh, just flipped through the book to see how much of the book was action, if you can call it that, of part two. And it is just the second to last chapter. The, the- whole climax of the book. The takes whole series. Place in the second to la- yeah, the climax of the series takes place in the second to last chapter of this 700-page so book. It's about 20 out of 700 pages. So <laughs> <laughs> translate that to screenplay, that's one page of a screenplay. <laughs> so why the biggest question, and I think we should save it to last. So we'll talk about everything and then we'll a- answer the biggest question. Did it have to be two parts? That's a great question that I did not think of bringing up. So that's why I guess we have uh, two of us here. Because that's a great yeah. question. <laughs> I want to I be in the room. Well, I know exactly what the happened. Room the room where it happened. The room where that happened. They said, hey, do you want to make more money? Yeah. Okay. We'll make it two parts. Everyone shook hands. <laughs> do you want to make it twice as much cash. money? Yeah. It was right after, um, well, we'll get into it later, but it was right after Harry Potter split the seventh movie into two parts. It was like within a year after of that. So they're like, wow, that really worked, huh? Yep. That was the last Again, decision. totally different. Yeah. Chris and I also Harry got Potter down. Harry Potter actually has something to say. Yeah. <laughs> Chris and I also got down Deathly Hollows to see how much of that is like the big final battle. And it's just... Under a third of the entire book, in contrast. 
I I truly mm. love how um, baffling every choice was in this yeah. part one of a film. Um, um, the other thing, let's talk about this. It's our intro still, so let's yeah. talk about how Stephanie Meyer has never seen an R-rated movie. Okay, this is big reporting <laughs> that we got from Janine. <laughs> We also wanted to ask Ben specifically this question, which is, so Stephanie Meyer apparently has never seen an R-rated movie. Um, theoretically, that means she's also never read any like adult fiction, truly. So we thought, can you be an artist if you've never seen an R-rated film? <laughs> I think if you're still referring to movies as R-rated movies after a while, <laughs> even if can you, you even haven't be an seen adult? One, Yeah, just that you phrased it that way. I can't remember the last time I... I had to think like, oh, that's an R-rated movie. Yeah. <laughs> I only think of like, oh, that's a PG-13 movie? Interesting. When you think it's like a kid's yeah. movie or something, that's the only thing. As a child, like, I guess up through high school, it was like, you really knew the rating of every movie you wanted oh, to yeah. see because it, be, it had to be pitched to your parents and to your friends' parents and everybody had to be on board. But once mm-hmm. you go to college, I feel like it's, you just sort of throw that out the door. Yeah, because classes all expect over the you age to watch 17. our movies. Yeah. The true thrill of uh, becoming turning 17 and just walking up to the ticket counter and saying, get me into that flick. <laughs> Pop me yeah. some fresh corn. I had friends who worked in movie theaters, so um, seeing R-rated movies uh, lost its thrill early. Wow. Because I was 16 yeah. and I could just go in. Big on a move. comped ticket, you know? She really was somebody, huh? She was 12 uh-huh. and she knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I even, my parents were so strict about R-rated movies. And my parents let my oldest brother take me to Michael Mann's Public Enemies at the age of 14. <laughs> which was an R-rated. Like, like there's always like the, those random few R-rated movies that parents are like, yeah, that's fine. So I, I've just I'm never understood. I'm trying to think of what my... F- First R-rated movie. My, I think maybe mine was like, uh, like Step Brothers or something. Is that R-rated? Probably. Probably not. Um, is is um, I see dead people. Sixth Sense. Is that R-rated? No, I think that probably would have come out in PG thirteen era. You think? Well, Ben's the historian here. Ben, you solve this. Ben. <laughs> Ben, tell us what the MPAA rated it rated every movie. I would have to imagine that six senses are. I think so. There are depictions of like hanging bodies and stuff. Pretty intense. Yeah. yeah. Strictly for like thematic elements and things. The, let me tell you. So I watched that one, but I bet my first one was also some comedy that my parents liked. And were just like, whatever. It's just the F word. Yeah. Do you think, okay, let's list. Uh, yeah, R-rated means nothing. Unless you're a parent or a child of a parent. Yeah. What's an R-rated movie do you think Stephanie would see? The first thing that came to my mind was The King's Speech. Passion of the Christ. <laughs> oh. She's never Two seen Passion good of the Christ. Pitches. I, I have never seen it. I, I imagine it's thinking, R-rated just because of like blood and gore. I'm gonna yeah. see again Lost Boys. That's a show about that's a movie about teen vampires. Yeah, it's like she's she is gesturing at like vampire stuff that she got through like cultural osmosis, but she maybe has never interacted with any vampire fiction in any media. Yeah, I just like if I'm about to write something, we talked in the last episodes that we all as intelligent people have fail safes to keep us from doing something like Twilight. If we start, <laughs> our bodies just shut us down. But if I was gonna write, if I was gonna sit down and write a teen anything especially a teen vampire or supernatural thing the first thing i would do would would be like oh let's look at some that have worked let's look at popular ones and see what they did right yeah Uh, not not and lost boys is like the ultimate that yeah well she did it and uh it still worked out for her it still worked out she is um, a multi-millionaire in a book that she wrote and got a three book deal in six months so good for her Truly shocking. Uh, ben, we're ben, excited. If you had to sit her down and w- make her watch, <laughs> hold her eyes open like seven and make her watch a movie, what movie would it be? And you can't say holes because rate- everyone would pick holes. A rated R movie. <laughs> a rated R movie. 
Oh man. See, that's the, 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 the tough part about that question is that for 10 years now, I haven't thought about what movies are rated R. I could not tell you <laughs> yeah. the last rated R movie I saw. Uh, meet the Fockers. Well, we've been watching Fast and the Furious, so. Okay, mm. Meet the Fockers, Meet the Parents may have been my first R-rated movie. You said that <laughs> and it, it reminded me that I did watch that movie really young. My parents I also weirdly did. Parents. Maybe on an airplane? In the sky, there are no rules. That's true. Once my mom and I rented Good Luck Chuck, uh, thinking it was a fun movie to watch together on a plane. Oh, I no. just want to say that that movie jumps in and it's tiles across the screen. So there are like 20 frames on the screen, all of that comedian who stole Louis's like bit. You hair? Know, who's that guy's name? That was a what? Good, I said hair. Pretty good joke. Anyway, he... um. Uh, if him fucking like 20 women. I was going to say, I imagine that movie opens with like butt crack. My mom just went (gasps) and shut the computer. (laughs) Cause it was uh, shocking. I was poof nine and on a plane. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. We had to like slightly open it and just like fiddle around until we could quit close it so that we didn't have to open it again that's amazing so you're like let's go back to watching um james and the giant peach mm. <laughs> so, so ben i'm sorry i interrupted you r-rated movie oh, for no. steph oh um moonlight I feel like Moonlight's Ooh. rated. Home. That would give her an education. She'd have to watch it maybe 80 times to That's, understand the basic <laughs> premise it of would Moonlight. Shake her. I was trying to think of just like the most popular R-rated movie that would be the biggest cultural shock for her. I think she's I a little like more Moonlight. um she's a little more Green Book than uh, Moonlight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll start her on Green Book and then we'll move to Moonlight. <laughs> good, good. She would spontaneously combust if she just went straight to Moonlight. She would have no idea of what she's saying. Isn't Titanic rated R? She hasn't even seen Titanic. I mean, I haven't, but it seems like she would. Popular romance. Yeah. She's never okay, seen it. Okay, let's, let's take a break and jump into the movie of it all. The movie of it all. Okay, guys, listen up. Here we are. We're back. Oh, little little Russian lady is commanding us yes. today. Yes, I'm uh, two feet tall and I teach ballet. <laughs> oh, wait, no. This is, it's Borat. <laughs> my ballet shoes. That's what this ballet studio is called. My studio. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, uh, when I saw Borat 2, the re-Boratning, uh, I would just tell Maggie bits from the movie. So she's basically seen it now. She's seen all the all the top. Yeah, I highlights. do feel that way. <laughs> feel like That's I- sort of. I didn't want to watch Borat's sh- or not Borat, Sasha Baron Cohen's uh, show that he had. Right. So I would just read the AV Club reviews of each episode, and I did feel like I watched the whole thing. You kind of get the whole vibe when you just read about what his crazy antics are. This is the opposite of Nathan for you, where you have to watch it to really feel. Wow! The breath what of his an pranks. incredible show. Ben, have you watched Nathan for you? I have not yet. It's a great way to cleanse your mind from watching Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 1. I know what I'm doing after this recording. It is a a great piece of documentary filmmaking. (laughs) Uh, Um, Ben, do you want to lead us? You said you found... Wow. Guys, you heard it here first. Ben found a primary source document from our first movie episode Twilight. I did. And I also just would like to share that on it, I wrote that we took a Twilight personality BuzzFeed quiz and I was Victoria. (laughs) I forgot we did this entire thing. (laughs) Unfortunately, (laughs) she is dead by now in the movies, unfortunately for you. That is so funny. (laughs) Because Ben is probably the opposite of a blood hungry it's because you said you were like really passionate about revenge or something. I remember this now. <laughs> I'm sure I gave one answer that just negated all my other responses. Because when I think of you, I don't think of um, a vengeful, angry, uh, blood No, Ben's warrior. more like Seth, our favorite little guy. 
Seth mm. is amazing in the book and honestly, this film. Um, so do you want to lead us through the rubric? The original yes. Korea. So we, um, I'm going to combine a few different categories because the first movie was such an anomaly and we've since veered away from that with Hollywood. So I'm going to combine <laughs> yeah. aesthetics and production into one because the first movie you needed to separate it, but now they're all kind of one <laughs> big jumbled pile of, well, whatever. Yeah, the aesthetic of so, this movie is we yeah. have money to make a movie. I thought that they were at if it's even the Cullen's that. house more in this movie than they had been previously. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if they Which built a replica of the house to film in. Doesn't it seem like we saw way more yeah. of this house than we did the first time? Yes. So it's almost like they rebuilt some of it on a soundstage or something. I don't know. It just seems like we, it's like in the third Harry Potter movie where you suddenly see so much more of the castle <laughs> and you're just like, oh, they, they really made a choice here. Um, I, uh, we, is this when we should, oh, is there a VFX part of the rubric? Is that separate? There is a post-production VFX one. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about like, um, you know, I mean, no choices were made in the production of this film. That's the problem. It's not like we can be like, aesthetically, it looks this way. It doesn't. Every room is just shot like, oh, look, a room. (laughs) Yeah. What frustrated me the most about this movie, not the most, one of the things that frustrated me is that they said, okay, we have the medium of film. Instead of using the camera to tell a story (laughs) that supplements the story that's on, you know, the page, they said, let's Imagine right. that all the history of film doesn't exist. It's like never like the camera frames anything in a way to make us feel a certain way. We never light anything in a no, certain way. No, it's like you're framing a it's like you're framing a Google Meet. You just like want the camera to show however many people are in the room. Yeah. That's it. They just set it up on a tripod and press record. Even when they did try to be creative, um, when Jacob first enters the room, Bella and Edward have returned from their honeymoon. and Oh, and uh, the half face. Yeah, is that Rosalie is standing in front of Bella, mm-hmm. like so, guarding her. Even when they tried to do something artistic, it was horrible. It was miserable. <laughs> and I was just like, make a choice on where you want this camera because it felt like Four or five different people had a say, and then they just compromised on somewhere in the middle of all of that. And it, you know I, I, it didn't get scene, any information. A scene that's shot like no other scene in the entire movie and maybe series is the wedding, which is shot in such an odd way, almost like almost like they were trying to mimic what wedding photos look like. Like there were a lot of like close-ups on details of the dress. Like, you know, that's a thing you get in wedding photography is like just the bride's hands holding the bouquet, but not in a movie. The way no. they shot it was so weird. They made it seem like the ceremony was like literally them just exchanging those words back and that forth. That was so strange. It was a to very me odd. That, that, that this wedding ceremony was them walking up to the arch of flowers. And then the mm-hmm. the well, and Angela's, Angela's dad, dad, and he like he's the minister who just says, "Okay, you're gonna say the death was part part." Okay, they did. You're married now. <laughs> it was strange. I, everything about the wedding scene, which then makes the wedding scene this as well, was just so long and drawn out. Like the 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 kiss that they have, they do like that where the the spectators at the wedding disappear and they disappear as if they're. And then they come back and they're still kissing and it's an uncomfortably long kiss. She's walking down the aisle for 30 minutes, it felt like. Well, it's because they had about 12 minutes worth of source material that they had to stretch into two <laughs> hours. Um, honestly, I'm, I, I'm grateful that it was only two hours. And I really thought it was pushing three when I pressed play. I was like, this is a three-hour movie, right? And it wasn't. And for that, I am grateful. Yes. Um. The other weird thing is in shooting. I guess we should talk about how they shoot um the sex scenes. Oh. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> 
Because again, there's like no art to it. It's like verging on we're watching like the first scene of a Yeah, porn. it's like the because there's just like no it's not like we're watching Carol, right? There's no choice. They didn't even made. wipe some Vaseline just, on the lens. They didn't even do that. They just said, let's make the room kind of orangey hazy. And there was like no pleasure. Like there was no concentration on like the characters the moment for the character they were trying to do that in the subsequent scene where christian just looks <gasps> in the mirror and remembers having i love the choice which is a wild scene it's like how do we make the sex scene longer play it four times we have it happen and then immediately after she goes let's have a flashback to the scene we just left audience <laughs> just to revisit <laughs> it as if like we couldn't have gotten that information in real time Oh, also in terms of like the production value, the sound of the sex scene was really bad. Even like mm-hmm. when he when we we notice that Edward is is too strong for sex with her and he rips the headboard. <laughs> like it the the sound plays like a comedy foley artist. Like I I you I laugh because it's, you know, it's a it's a dated movie, but I also laugh because I was like I think they're trying to make me laugh with this Foley right. That's a problem with the books, too. Well, that's what we said. In the book, we were like, I think this might be purposely funny because she's like covered in feathers and things. But in the movie, they seem to be taking it so But it is pretty funny. There was so much thrusting. Yeah, it's like, it could be funny that it's like this newlyweds and they like wrecked their hotel room, lol. But I think these, I think the people who well, the woman who wrote the book and the people who made it have no humor in their bones. <laughs> they truly don't know how to do it. Unless it's Emmett showing up and saying, like, a bro line. Oh, there is humor, though, going back to the wedding, in the way that they edited the toasts at the wedding. I mean, it's, like, the easiest way. We love The easiest that. way to cut together toasts in a funny way. But it worked because it was at least an effective choice <laughs> to, like, cut people yeah. off. I thought or that cut was to the funny. middle of someone singing during a toast is funny. So the, the, one point for 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 the movie. Yeah. So and production. That, what's the what's the score? Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ben. Oh God. no! I was gonna. No. Yeah. I, I, my production is is. Uh, what are we scoring out of five? I think is what we've been doing. I'd give production. I think so. Two thumbs down. I oh. don't even know that I could give it a score out of five. I was. I will get. I will give it a one <laughs> for how poorly they um, costumed and did hair and makeup for Kristen Stewart. Yes. Well, we. That's not even. Is that part of this? I think so. Is that part I of this? So. Okay. Yeah, well, I, then, yeah, I, we have to talk about how Kristen Stewart has grotesque makeup when she's sick. Yeah. Is gross, but even before then, it's like every scene, her hair was different, her makeup was different, her style of clothes was different. <laughs> They couldn't decide. It's almost as if uh, 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 Kristen Stewart walked into set every day and said, look, I want to wear just a Henley today. (laughs) And then they just put it on. (laughs) But I did like um, Edward wearing his beach clothes. I thought that was a a great choice for him, that he finally wore a (laughs) t-shirt. Lots of t-shirts for this boy. When he gets out of the car... Um, to go talk to the pilot because they are worried that something is growing inside Bella. He's got on a very classic 2010 beachwear outfit, like a loose <laughs> chambray shirt, really baggy khaki pant, uh, khaki shorts. <laughs> I was, I was really. Uh, I thought the humanizing of Edward was endearing at that moment. That he had to go to an Abercrombie and Fitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, the, the best thing about these books and movies is the time capsule element of it. And we do get that here. Yeah. With the layers of shirts. Yeah, I think I think we will uh, give it a, a minimum, the minimum score, which I think has been one in the past. Yeah. Very bad. <laughs> Two thumbs Very, down. very bad. Okay, maybe we're going to get some um, more points in this next category. I don't think so because in the next one we immediately went to post production. Oh, oh, okay. I think we should jump right in into the most post scene, which has to be 
all the wolves talking in a lumber yard. I was so <laughs> mad during the scene. The scene was happening. I was screaming at Maggie how much this scene frustrated me. Ben, what was it like as someone so who has context? Read? Oh yeah. Let's real quick for context for the listeners. This is right after Jacob finds out Bella is pregnant. Uh, and he wolfs out and runs to the rest of the wolves, and they run around a lumber yard like it's footloose, and <laughs> all talk about how it's an abomination in their wolf voices. So it's really kind of confusing. They're running around in circles together. I mean, what I'll say for the movie's credit is that it does it, it does do what the book sort of does, which says it's really confusing and all, and they're running around in circles, and that's exactly what. But it when is. you're seeing wolves that have no distinctive features other than color that we don't really see a lot to learn, and just hearing voiceover right. without wolves' faces moving, you're just like, who's talking to who? <laughs> Why do we care about who's standing over where? And it extends all the way through to the alpha scene. So it's like minutes of us just seeing wolves think and growl at each other. Just like distorted voices and like post and max volume. It was bizarre. I am so glad that I had subtitles on during that sequence because (laughs) it was awful. The the sound mixing. (laughs) And then they don't. The wolves' mouths don't move, and that was throwing yeah. me off because I was like, are, "Am I supposed to know that they all understand each other right now?" <laughs> and then, and then the and then Jacob's like, "My grandfather was so and so, and as his grandson, I'm not going to take it anymore." I just it, it kind of came out of nowhere. It truly does. Yeah, it really does in the movies and sort of in the books, to be honest. But my, I thought it was like Scar talking to the hyenas. <laughs> yes. Like Sam's wolf, the alpha, is like up on the wood and he's a big black wolf that's like screaming in like his voice is heard double, which is what the book says that an alpha's voice is like. But it's extra confusing and weirdly mixed. But I thought the most glaringly offensive part of that scene actually wasn't the production. It's when Sam's wolf yells, her choice affects everyone. As if, like, to prove we're not watching, we're watching a pro-life propaganda film. (laughs) Uh, At least I guess the wolves looked nice, I think. For how many they had to put on the screen, I thought, okay, we're watching V1 of that uh, Harrison Ford you know, into the wild wolf movie that came out last year. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was pretty horrible to watch them growl when the wolf was making them bow and stuff. Yeah. I don't like, I don't like the scene where, um, Edward, uh, Jacob turns into a wolf in front of Bella's dad. Um, which again was supposed to be a funny scene, I suppose. (laughs) But like him transform. That's not this movie, Chris. Oh, spoiler alert! That's the next movie. But like th- those scenes, <laughs> were, those scenes where he like transforms, I think it's so funny that he goes from a standing person to a wolf in the midair in a very strange way. I think um, this in this after this big long wolf scene, which is so horrible. The next scene basically smash cuts to Jacob as a fully clothed human jumping out of the woods like hey cool and then Steph Seth does the same thing right after him in a way that's like so clearly them trying to save their budget on actually showing transformations and because these would be naked teenage boys that it's just like absurd to watch them jump out of the woods by the Cullen's house fully clothed. (laughs) It's like if we had to do a TV show version of this and we had a tiny budget. Yeah. So anyway, I would say post here is poof, uh, even less than production. Although we had a great Osmosis Jones um, scene. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of bumps it up for me to maybe two or three stars. Except, Chris, you're forgetting that right after that scene, we see <gasps> a, hum- a grown-ass face on a tiny baby like it's some sort of fucking medieval painting it truly does look like the year is 1513 and we're painting the baby jesus with this full (laughs) old man face on a baby 
the that entire sequence because then we also get this weird bella's life flashing before her eyes horrible flashback that she's about to die but they've Mm -hmm. already spoiled that there's going to be a part two by calling this one part one (laughs) (laughs) that whole like the final like 10 15 minutes is just one bad vfx choice after another (laughs) Uh, I do love her back snapping in t- ninety degrees backwards. Oh God, that is. Do you so think that on horrible. set they just got like a robot arm on a hinge on like you know put a hoodie over and film that just like <laughs> bending over, added a sound effect, and they went, <laughs> "That's her back." <laughs> <laughs> um, so I would give this two out of five. I. Chris, the sound mixing. Good point. This is, I forgot. This includes post-production. That was truly bad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it I, has to be, it has to be a one. Okay. Well, it's a one. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> Number one. Um, what's next, Ben? The next category we have is a two-parter. It's a mix of pacing and cohesion. <laughs> Why did we go so more? I'm, I'm sure. Uh-oh. I'm, I'm sure storytelling is what we were going for. <laughs> yeah, why, did we, why did we call it that? But pacing and cohesion is what I've written down here. Well, I think this is the first time I'm okay, going to... Okay, well, I got to say... Go ahead. I was going to say, I think Sorry. this is the first time I'm going to pitch. Can we give it negative five stars? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It truly... I was going to say, this doesn't even have to be a discussion. If this movie is bad at anything... It's pacing and It cohesion. stretches the imagination of what you could pitch to a Hollywood exec for them to buy it. If They're like, okay, what's the beginning, middle, and end of the story? And you say, um, it's kind of all middle. <laughs> and they go, okay, but doesn't it lead to part two? And you go, um, I guess barely. <laughs> it's like if it was literally trying to do anything, you would have to call it video art because <laughs> there's no narrative here. Barely. <laughs> And like, if you if the story is supposed to be she has this baby and it's a problem, don't you think the end of part one should be setting up the problem of part two? <laughs> but they don't. That's crazy to me. It's so weird. It's because the first forty five minutes is just like fan service. Watch your you know two crushes go on a honeymoon. Yeah, we like we have to talk about other movies that have been split into parts with this. I think because like. How to build a story. If you're calling it part one and part two, they have to be parts of the same story. And that's just not what happens here at all. Ben, as someone who doesn't really know how this goes and how it ends, what was your experience coming into this blind? Um, Well, anytime there's a fan movie called part one, I'm going to naturally be a bit skeptical as to what I'm getting myself into. But the... When the wedding scene last, I checked my watch and it was like 30 minutes and we were still at their wedding with nothing to <laughs> to account for it other than just this is their wedding. That's when I was really, I got really uh, downtrodden that this was going to be a long rest of the hour and a half movie. So I I, I don't know, you know, I, I, I'm sure that the movie was pitched part one where it's like, and then at the end, Bella wakes up you know that 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 they start with that and try and work their way back <laughs> and then just try to like fill in this two-hour movie with whatever they could but then it's like you have the cullens who are extremely docile this whole movie even though the wolves are coming after them and then like watching a soap opera with the wolves that even then it's like the cohesion of just the drama is is horribly matched what's crazy yeah the colons don't do anything this movie they just sit around and say well there ain't nothing we can do she's gonna have baby and then the werewolves their entire conflict is in that one scene in the lumber yard we introduce there's a rift in the in the pack and then jacob leaves and we're like oh well the drama's over (laughs) it's finished like yeah, the moment at the end of this movie um, where all the wolves really do come because they think Bella has died does not happen in the books. It yeah. just, it's like even, it's even less climactic in the books. 
But in the books, this is where a part of the book also ends. The book is split up into three parts. The first one from Bella's perspective, the second one from Jacob's perspective, and that one just ends. And it ends in the exact same part as the, the way that this movie ends. Yeah. I'm also genuinely curious at like the pacing of how quickly Jacob gets upset about everything <laughs> that there's like no buildup to anything. It's not like by the end of it, it's like, this is the last straw. It's like, even at their wedding, the way that he just so callously screams at everybody and has to be dragged out of set. Like by out the of end set. of it, I'm like, I don't really know how, <laughs> I don't know how serious any of these claims really are. Thankfully, Carly was sitting next to me for a good chunk of it. And I was like, is this, actually a big deal or is this just bad acting and she was like well this is what's happening so i'm glad i had somebody to coach me through it but <laughs> yeah you do because but i can't he, I cannot... that. he just gets randomly mad that's a yeah. trait we're gonna call it a character trait for lack of a better term <laughs> well like um mount everest for these books and movies you do need a sherpa to guide you through because the trail is hard to find <laughs> <laughs> So let's give this a negative five and uh, take a quick break. Yo, 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 welcome back to Jazzy Jeff's uh, Twilight Hour. Yep. Jeff's? No, is Jazzy your name? Jeff's Twilight Hour. G-O-F-F-S, Jeff's? It's my Twilight Hour. Why did you come on my show oh, just to I shit see. talk my Jeff. name? Oh, I see. Sorry, I there was an well, open line. We're so not I doing that promo right now, tickets. Dick. <laughs> no, okay, I am the manager. Our, oh, this is Jeff. I want to talk to Twilight Hour. Click. All right. Okay. Sorry I'm about hang, that. I'm going to call. I'm going to call. Shit. <laughs> Hey, you just made that sound. I heard you just make that sound. You didn't hang me up. I'm going to hang eh. myself up. Click. <laughs> that was a, that's one of our um, patented bits. <laughs> uh, ben, what's our next patented <laughs> bit? The to, uh, next uh, trademark film? criteria that Hashtag we have is analysis. adaptation. I feel like we covered some of this. Sorry, Chris. What? And we're not, we're not talking, talking about, about the film. The film. I said we're not. Yeah, with Meryl Streep and. Is uh, that a movie? Nicholas Cage. Not that. Huh. Adaptation. Yeah. Spike Jones. Huh. It's about Charlie Nicholas Cage trying to adapt a book about orchids. Wow. Never heard of this. <laughs> So anyway, well, film class. I, I feel like we Play the covered song, part of this in storytelling, which is to say, it's this adaptation, like everything else in the film, it made no choices. It's one to one. Yeah, this pretty much you can just lift what we said in the last movie and apply it here. What's really upsetting is that it has the same screenwriter from the first movie. All the movies have the same screenwriter. And she made choices mm-hmm. in the first movie, probably because she had Catherine yeah. to help her as like the director and the writer were together. Um, and this, get in, get she out. just Adeline wrote one-to-one and she Melinda. got her paycheck and good for her. <laughs> they maybe tweaked a couple moments and a couple scenes, but overall it's like the pacing's all the same. The order's the same. We don't like, you know how sometimes when you adapt something, you might add a scene that doesn't exist to give the viewers. Well, they did add the. I would say the only ad it's, here it, it, is it's, the ending scene where the wolves actually do try to attack, and Jacob wolfs out to say that he imprinted. Right. That does not happen. Yeah, they kind of wanted to like wrap up the wolf vampire animosity. They wanted to do that right away, I guess. So, and I assume that's going to take that. the that's next, something. I don't know, three hundred pages in the book. So, so, ugh, cannot wait. So, I think, um, I think to, I would just also to give, give, give this movie something. I would nothing give it was two as offensive. Yeah, because it wasn't bad. And it's not her fault that it the wasn't source offensive. material was, it was just bad. Not interesting. 
Yeah, to to really adapt it differently, you'd have to really, yeah, like Benjamin Button, um, which is a stupid short story, and the movie bits. was like you know famous. <laughs> That's all I can say for that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that about Twilight too. It's um, a stupid book, but it's so. What's uh, next? Famous. <laughs> like, um, is it a freaking uh, uh, freaking I've score? Uh, we can talk about score? score. I don't think that we, we did it for score? the first movie, but we have acting next. Ah, uh, this is another one that I would give it a solid couple. Uh-huh. And here's why, folks. Here's why. I My favorite parts of this movie okay. were when there was no dialogue and it was just Kristen and Rob pretend honeymoon fun and games montaging. I think that was by far the best part of the whole movie, which implies yes. that the best part of the movie is just them. Yeah, I did. That moment when Kristen Stewart kind of leans in the teddy against the doorway, like trying to be sexy in the most femme look, truly cracked me up. Because she's like, oh, this is stupid. And then you cut to Robert Pattinson, who, when Edward is supposed to be laughing, I really do believe the camera just <laughs> and his girlfriend is laughing at having to be in this movie. <laughs> and they said, let's just And like it. the chess scenes were funny. Yeah. Edward those, those, those uh, kissing Bella and then diving underwater and fast swimming away. Like that all worked for me. Yeah. The, yeah, the honeymoon montage. Well, and what also worked for me were the <laughs> high school friends, mostly Anna Kendrick at the wedding, gossiping about her friends. She had literally two lines, but displayed more choices in terms of an actor. And <laughs> did you catch the like two <laughs> seconds more in the reception of the wedding else? when Alice says, "Oh, do you, do you like everything?" And uh, Anna Kendrick is like, "Yeah, no, it's great. It's really amazing." And Alice says, "Oh, yeah, not over the top." And she goes. No, not at all. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I I mentioned. Well, I I mentioned this standout. Uh, what were any good? standout performances for you, Ben? Uh, I thought I thought that Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart were funny. Either way, when they're playing chess, um, mm-hmm. I thought the chess bit was funny. But the um, <laughs> like I mentioned with Jacob. What's his name? Taylor Lautner. He's just, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure that in the book he's an angry person, but whoever, I, he's just, I think his directorial, uh, like, notes that he got was just angrier. Get angrier. Faster. Angrier. And that just, that doesn't really translate well to screen acting because then yeah. it's just extremely melodramatic and that doesn't bode well. You, you can't really write a stream of consciousness of like Jacob felt this, then he felt this, and now he's angry. At whatever speed it happens. I feel bad. Yeah, we don't see any of the... Right. There's no moment before. It's always just him yelling at whatever's happening in front of him and we don't see any like variations it's not like he's angry and then he's disappointed and then he's I upset. feel bad a little like, bit for I'm Taylor. I think mad. that this um of the movies so far, this is his his best one. I think he's he's so glaringly bad in the others and this one he sort of keeps pace a little better. But I yeah. think I feel bad that Yeah, and I he feel takes, bad that he takes he the role more seriously had as a co-lead. A series of directors that just weren't able to give him anything. Like he didn't get to like grow in this part from when he was little and now and he became like ultra famous during that time whereas like you look at the Harry Potter kids and they had a series of act of directors that were like really able to get things out of them and teach them how to be actors yes. and i just don't think i just don't think the twilight films had that and Kristen and Rob were just lucky enough to be actors <laughs> like just naturally gifted in it and so, and like, they had already been working were already for actors. so long. <laughs> whereas Taylor was like a kid, really a kid when these all started. So uh, he just didn't probably just didn't have directors that were able to pull out yep. what good directors are able to out of young actors. 
I have no idea. Yeah, in this I movie, he's, he's probably more like 17 or 18. Older. Yeah. Compared to Kristen and Rob are in their mid-20s. Yeah, so I think by this one, he's probably in the first movie, he was 16. Or 20. But Rob and Kristen are like a years yeah. older, like four or five years older than him. A disappointing performance that I thought was Leah, the, mm-hmm. the only um, female werewolf who could be an interesting character, but I think the director seemed to kind oh, of push her out in front of the camera and say, say your lines. And did and not I help her at on this all. while we were watching was just that like everyone was mumbling the whole time. No one was speaking clearly. That's like step one of acting <laughs> and directing is like, sorry, that wasn't clear. Let's take it again. Can you enunciate? Like I, everyone was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You have the bear. Well, and the person who did that, the Jacob, no, I want to be in this one. <laughs> the person who I was, uh, Carlisle's character changed the most in terms of his line delivery. <laughs> I feel like he's <laughs> he stopped being JFK. <gasps> yes, we talked about it this was too. like uh, uh, he he mumbled the most in terms of his transition between the last couple of movies, where he's had very good line delivery, and now it's very yeah bad, very bad. What happened? <laughs> they all, I th- it's like a new crew came in and said, all right, boys, we're turning this one into a Hollywood two-part blockbuster. You're not being paid enough for how much money we're making off this movie. I think also said, okay, the tides we'll had already this. turned away from Twilight by the time these movies were being released. I think people just stopped Because I know caring. Hunger Games yeah. or whatever is So I think that like they just missed their shot. Yeah. Because it was a flash in the pan and not like a huge success like other big YA franchises, even though it like was, it ended so fast because people outgrew them rather than sort of growing with them. So I think it just like, they were just like, we got to get these movies out now. Yeah. I want to be done with this. (laughs) That's a, a feeling I got from pretty much everybody. So my rating for acting on this one, um, I would give it, yeah, two, two or three, maybe. Because, again, it was the best part. So if we're getting an adaptation of two, I think that acting probably to scale should get a three. You know what? That convinced me. I'll give it, I'll give it a yeah, three. Three like, for yeah. a- Average acting ability. What's, what's well, We have our final, uh, do we have one more? final category, which is Uh-oh. experience. The phenomenology of Twilight. Mm. Oh, the experience. Ben, didn't you see this one in theaters? No, I saw the next. I saw part two in theaters. <gasps> You've uh, already seen it. But Do you remember anything about it? Nope. I remember one part. Oh, oh a, a new Hello. guest on the podcast. Oh, is that, is that a wolf? Did he come to be on the pod? He's a very young wolf, a, a cub. I can. I think I can hear him saying, "Jacob, Jacob, I want to be in your pack." Um, I would give the experience of this one. Honestly, the problem is higher than the last, the most recent two, because there's just so much bad about it that you can really embrace screaming at the screen. Yeah, and that it's a two part. It it has a drama. And it opens up with a honeymoon and craziness, and then it ends with the Cielo's back snapping in half. And, and um, imprinting on a baby. There's just, like, enough here that, like, you can go, what? No. Why? And that is enough to give it better than Eclipse and New Moon, which are uh, hard to wa- harder to watch. Oh, yeah, the New last, Moon's a little better. The first half of this book, which is this movie's based on, was my favorite reading of the, my favorite section of Twilight since, a lo- since the first book. And I kind of feel that way too with this movie. It feels like it has, it's so slow and horrible, but it's so crazy that it, it, it strains the imagination as to how this could have been made. Yeah. Despite being like so technically bad, it has some of the like energy that the first one had again. Some of that life is somehow back, but in like the opposite direction. Yeah. It's like inverse. It's like the first movie had an indie. Uh, yeah. kind of fuzziness to it. And we um, may and as well has, be watching Marvel Endgame here. Part one, yeah. Endgame. It has a Hollywood camp to it. In yes. In the way that the first one had an indie kind of campiness. 
But what do you think, Ben? Well, th- thankfully, I don't. My my cub has stopped barking. Thankfully, I <laughs> don't remember anything from the second movie. I remember one shot that stands. I, the The vampires and the wolves are running at each other, and we have like a really big. <laughs> yeah. We have a big crane shot <laughs> of them running at each other, and they're like <laughs> about to attack, like a some sort of football like the kickoff. 300 yeah and so i i do well you probably don't remember much ben because you were on a hot date that is true and, you, know, <laughs> you were slowly trying to you're slowly holding your hands out with your palms up waiting for the other person to you know grab the hand no i was so sad mm. from her comment that i had picked the wrong movie that i just wasn't paying attention <laughs> <laughs> crushed uh, but i i do think that this movie had some sense even if i was i disagreed with how it built it did feel like it was building towards something, even if at the end I was mm-hmm. disappointed with what I was left with. It did have some sense of like urgency, which I yeah I said liked. this. I said this after we watched the movie off mic, but I Twilight is strange because it is really good, and I think this is what it has had going for it from the very beginning with the books. Is it's really good at sort of seeping in and making you want more. It's like a bite of something weird, but that you want to keep eating because the texture is good or whatever. But like then the problem is you know at the end that it it isn't satisfying. It's like empty calories. Yeah. So like the whole time you're watching, you're like, oh, I could sit in this and watch it for a while. And like when you're reading, the same thing happens where you're like, oh, I like want to keep reading because I care just enough to know what's going to happen next. And it's moving so slowly. It's like a soap. Yeah. Cause nothing happens every episode. Yeah. Nothing happens every episode, but like you want to know so bad what's going to happen that you keep (laughs) watching for some reason. Yeah. It, um, it definitely has that, um, want to know, but don't care about knowing. (laughs) It's kind of like the entire story. Honestly, it's a great con. Stephanie it, conned us good. She really did. And how it uh, once in a life, once in a generation con. So I would give this four. On experience? <laughs> yeah. Good point. The first movie is five out of five experience. This one I it might be three and a half for me. Yeah, three and a half. I don't know if it's all the way to four, but it seems like just slightly above average. I would yeah, I'd give it if a if we're comparing it to the series as a whole. Yeah. I'd give it a three. With Eclipse being a zero, one, whatever I gave it last time. Yeah, if Eclipse is a zero and New Moon is a, you know, two or a one, then Twilight is a five and this is like a three. And maybe the next one is the four because if this one is insane, the next one is (laughs) cuckoo bananas insane. (laughs) Yeah. And like, if I'm going to go back and rewatch any of these, I'll rewatch the first movie and these last two. I'm never going to yeah. go back to the other ones. Why would I? Yeah. it's There's nothing there. I think it was fun to watch the first one and second one, I say back to back, it, you know, over the course of a week or two, because it is fun to mm-hmm. see it jump from being like a, a truly independent production to a Hollywood produced movie. And so it's a fun like juxtaposition mm-hmm. to see back and forth. But Eclipse was just bad and it didn't have it, it, <laughs> it really at, is bad at least this was like hey we're if you stick with us there's a payoff coming later eclipse was hard to read that way too it loses so much i, what I even happened? Was just trying to force <laughs> in an extra book but you I, we spent so much of eclipse mad and the <laughs> podcast i think <laughs> for listeners has gotten a renewed <laughs> energy since we left eclipse because we're not just spending every day being mad at like the book being like angry. At the wheels turning and it's just like tr- getting yeah. the reader mad for no reason. <laughs> so, so we're excited overall, to. So, overall, where does this score give us? We did a two or we did a one, a one, a negative five, <laughs> a like a two, two, a three, a three, and a three. So like a, a a one is that a one average? <laughs> Maybe one and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe pushing two. Yeah, if if we push two, does it beat Eclipse? Somehow we gotta weight it so that it just slightly edges out. <laughs> it eclipse. needs to barely be better than that movie. 
I think a two and a half would be sufficient. Just ex- yeah, straight middle of the road, right in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> this is just, this movie is exactly what you think it is. And that is Breaking Dawn part one. It tells you exactly <laughs> what it's going to be. It's half a story. The movie, the credits roll and you go, wow, it feels like I got halfway through breaking, um, you know, dawn breaking. I can't wait <laughs> I for the rest like, of dawn to break. <laughs> I feel like I should go to sleep for the second half of dawn breaking. <laughs> uh, what a crazy ride. Thank you, Ben, for just, watching this movie. Um, I think we have, are to, so welcome. Well, we have to talk about before we're done, done. We have to say, was it worth the split? Oh, yes, we did mention bringing this up um what other movies have been split obviously deathly hollows part one and two hunger games was split as well hunger right games split yeah. is I, that it are, i think there probably were other ones but no well one technically the hobbit was split into like four movies right oh yeah it was split into That's part one, one through three um and that definitely should not have been split um no and I, this this book was too long and it could have been adapted in a more thoughtful way into a two and a half hour movie. I totally agree. The movie could have almost been good if it was one movie. I think it would have had actual like energy and consequence ish. It would have been, I think, a trickier to adapt because you would have to actually make choices about like how do we order these events in a cleverer way to make things happen and build rather than just making way. everything half as long. <laughs> yeah. But that's like your job as someone adapting. Yeah, when you're hired, about, that's your job. I don't really remember. I have never read the later Hunger Games books, so I can't talk about the adaptation there. But with Harry Potter, which was the first to do this big split, they had been talking about splitting the movies for like years. They were going to originally split the fourth book and then like keep oh. basically splitting them. Um, but they held out until the last one and that feels like such a necessary split those movies feel so different from each other they t- they definitely also, work as independent parts yeah and they do a good job at like splitting it in a place where like one story is ended but it really is building to the next thing and basically the entire second part of the harry potter movie is one big it's it all takes place in one big battle Sort of like the last Lord of the Rings movie. So it just does so much different than this does. Than it's <laughs> right. successful. And this one does so much the exact same as the book in an unsuccessful way. You ha- We have to say the obvious answer is a fucking course not. It didn't need to be split. Right. It also it, it's hard because as Maggie pointed out when we watched is the, the biggest plague that this movie and book has is that truly nothing has consequence. Like no character has any negative consequence for their actions, which means why split it into two parts? Like there's no going to, there's going to be no consequence of the first part resolving in the second part. It's like you're setting up, um, um, here's a, here's a sports analogy for everyone. You're, you're setting, you're you're setting up the big shot, but, uh, there's no goal. You know? Yeah, and this is, I don't want to spoil too much because Ben has just started actually reading the Harry Potter books. But at the end of the first part of the Harry Potter, also this isn't a Harry Potter podcast, but at the end of the first <laughs> part of the Harry, Harry Potter, Potter movie, um, Harry makes a big choice. It's the biggest choice that's really made in the first, in the la- that last book. So at the end of that movie, he makes a choice that directly affects the consequences of the entire next movie, which is to go after the Horcruxes and not the Hallows, right? This is the big thing. Hallows are Horcruxes, and he chooses at the end, we're going to do Horcruxes, which means that Voldemort is going to get the Hallows. So that's a choice that has direct consequences, and that's just something that these books can never do, and certainly not the movie. (laughs) yeah we'll talk more about how nothing has of consequences in the next movie as we finally yeah finally finished the story you'll see bella become a a vampire and literally nothing happens there's no difference in her life the the problem with this first one is that even the sense of urgency that i was talking about is unnecessary to be broken up into 
a, a first. Nothing about the urgency needs to be broken up into a first and second part. It can be one big story. Yeah. And yeah. that's that's so different than other movies. I think I've seen the first Harry Potter. Like, I remember my brother wanting to go see it. And I went and saw the first part of the last one with him. And I remember that one being, and I know that Harry Potter is just like on a different level than Twilight. But I, I do remember being like, A, as somebody who's not a fan at the time, I was engaged. I knew what was at stake. I thought that the, it built well. And I remember the way that it ended had a nice cliffhanger that it was like, you, you're going to need a part two for this. Yeah. It's Harry Potter is it's so hard to compare because they're compared so often. But the truth is the books are totally different. But especially when you're discussing the movies, the Harry Potter movies are like in a completely different league as the Twilight movies. They're like movies. Yeah. And these are just uh, videos. These are like fan, fan (laughs) homemade movies. Like what is. Well, and Harry Potter has such. Is this a Harry Potter podcast? Harry Potter has such it is now. <laughs> it has it has like a nice universal theme to it in a different mm. world. And I feel like Twilight is trying to create a new world that is competing with universal values or universal themes at least. Like Harry Potter yeah. is about bravery and it's about sticking to your guns and it's about standing up for the underdog and standing with, you know, but you know, like just fighting for your friends. And I don't get I, I watching Twilight, I don't get anything from that. I don't get anything There's other There's just th- no theme. No. <laughs> the theme is isn't love isn't true love nice? <laughs> it's like I guess it's like if you love someone that's all there is. That's like all that I matters? can't even like distill what their love means for the story anymore we're so far from falling in love with a vampire in biology class like that was something and now we're at demon baby pregnancy wolf imprinting and i've lost i've lost any character (laughs) i'm on more there is nothing about the edward and bella getting into danger movie after movie that makes me think like yes this is for the sake of love keep doing what you're doing yeah no one's attacking their love and that's the big problem is that like in harry potter people attack the 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 story everything has like a purpose people are doing things for a reason and in twilight no one is doing anything for a reason they're not up against any odds they're just like sort of doing it there's nothing at stake in Twilight, and I don't think that I, I'm still confused as to who my villain is and who my heroes are. <laughs> I, I don't know who I I, I I guess I'm supposed to be rooting for Bella, but even that I'm like <laughs> But she was asleep for half of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so does this movie count um as passing the Bechtel test if she talks about, I guess, her baby to someone else? But they gender the baby as male for the entire first That's half. That's so of the movie. true. So they can't even pass the Bechdel <laughs> test because <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Yeah, he, it doesn't work. Doesn't Jacob say like, "How do you know it's a boy?" And she just goes, "I have a feeling." She's like, "It's strong, and boys are strong." <laughs> okay, we got we got to stop before we drive ourselves insane. Yeah. Wow. We'll be back it, in seven weeks. <laughs> and to drive ourselves more insane by what did this all mean at the end? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and man. spoiler alert, it's nothing. Or do you think, should we assign ourselves like an English assignment and really try to come up with what are the themes of this book? And I, to be th- I'll the most look up what anyone be? is, see if anyone on the internet has thought of like a message. Like, can someone here? come up with a generous idea of like what she was saying here? I don't think so. I don't um, think anyone I don't can think prove it. If you have if you have a reading for what is the what are we supposed to take away from this quote unquote art? <laughs> like, is there a greater meaning in Twilight? That's what I want to know. Send I don't want to your- know what breaking dawn means. I want to know what breaking dawn means. Yeah. What does it mean to the human condition? Mm-hmm. Um, email that essay, Breaking Dawn and the Human Condition, to Edward is a vampire pod at gmail.com. 
Um, and you could also send us a DM on Instagram at Edward is a vampire pod. If you're not good at essays, paint it. Paint what it means. Please, we will picture. post that painting because I'm guessing it's going to be bonkers. Even if it's a stick figure of a vampire, I will post it. <laughs> no matter what you send us, we'll probably post it. <laughs> um, leave us a five star five star iTunes review telling us what the meaning of us doing this means for our condition as humans because it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, I just want to thank anyone who returned for this episode after listening to last week's episode. <laughs> um, it was a shocking departure from the norm. <laughs> <laughs> so Maybe that uh, was our breaking point. <laughs> just again, I'm going to say uh, thank you for being here. We adore you. And thank you, Ben. We adore you. I ben. adore the both of you. Wow. Wow. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. Oh, shit. That happened last week in oh. this timeline. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> uh, well, we're, we're about to have a happy Thanksgiving soon, and we hope you had one, too. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.